Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 24 of the We Watch 100 Isekai podcast, where we'll be talking about Isekai Shokudoku. Is that correct? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, it is Isekai Shokudo. Uh, Isekai Shokudo. Shokudo. Also known as Restaurants to Another World. Uh, Ballin'. So, mm-hmm. this is a this was a fairly pleasant one to go through. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> It's not that we haven't. It's not that we haven't been watching pleasant series, but I mean, this is. Uh, I mean, this is definitely a Niyashike, right? Like one of those chill series where you watch it and you feel good. <laughs> you know, one it's of those. Definitely, I appreciate it because a lot of the shows we've been watching have been about going to another world and then doing nothing in particular, or like yeah. not pronouncedly not doing anything very dramatic at least but at least this one is fully open and honest with the concept which i really appreciate yeah uh so the anime came out well the season one of the anime came out in uh, september of 2017 or july to september of 2017 it was animated by silverlink and the second season which i've heard a lot of people being announced uh, being excited by is actually being done by olm uh, olm Silverlink has come up quite a few times as being the, um, uh, like, they did, you know, they helped on Yuri Kumarashi, they worked on The Misfit of Demon King, uh, The Ones Within, like, they've been here and there. It's honestly really surprising because, like, the OP, especially for Restaurant to Another World, is extremely high quality. And it's not that they can't do high quality stuff, but they're very all over the place. Like, The Ones Within had a lot of, like, very interesting shots, but they felt very, like, music video-y Misfit of Demon King Academy just felt very bad <laughs> god that was them right yeah I suppose they just put in a lot less effort than into this one yeah because a lot of a lot of what they do is they also deserves more effort than Demon King kept between Demon King and Me- Demon King Academy at the nice <laughs> restaurant show uh, also, crap, I forgot to call it Mao Gakwe uh, no Futeki Gosha. Shisho, Saikyo no Mao no Shiso, Tensei Shite, Shisho Tachi no Gakui Kaio. Really slipped up there. I respect that you're being stick with that. Actually, no, <laughs> respect is the wrong word. I suggest that you're willing to stick with that. <laughs> there we are. But yeah, like Silverlink seems to really like doing chill series. Like the series, like things like Misfit Demon King Academy seem to be, you know, outliers, whereas their usual stuff is closer to Mitsuboshi Colors or like uh, Tanaka-kun. And I'm really interested, like, I I don't know why it is that they changed studios for season two, but I've heard that people are very excited for it. Hmm. Which studio did they switch to? Uh, OLM, which is like they are the studio that's. A split into being White Fox later on, but like they're still around as themselves. Like they worked on like Pokemon Chronicles, uh, Godinar. Like they've been around for a long ass time. They did the original okay, Disgaea I strongly, anime. I strongly assume that does not stand for Industrial Lights and Magics. <laughs> uh, the Wikipedia page does say not to be confused with Industrial Light and Magic. So apparently this happens. <laughs> oh, it- <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> What? <laughs> what? Yeah, I I will tell you the L and M does stand for light and magic. Can you guess what the O stands for? Uh, it's not industrial. <laughs> uh, open? No. 
overt? Nope. Well, obtuse. A little more culturally culturally insensitive. Oh God. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Orgasm. It is uh, Oriental light magic. Oh boy, I see. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Actually, wait a minute. I, I I I said all that other stuff. Like, but the thing they're known on the most, the thing that is still running, is Pokemon. Like, they are the Pokemon animation team. I see. <laughs> but yeah, like they also do a lot of like they do a Nazma Eleven. They do like all the uh, card fights and buddy fights anime, like the Okai Watch anime. They do a lot of like kid stuff. Restaurant to Another World is actually very like strange in this lineup. Like it's all like Beyblade and Zoids and card fights, <laughs> and then Restaurant to Another World second season. Huh? Maybe they start having. Like a fucking magic home table at the restaurant. Maybe. Because, like, everything they do is very fun and exciting. Like, I could see how they could work on the show, but this show seems way more chill than their usual content. And much more, like, not aimed at very, very little kids. Or, like, full of marketing merchandise. Yeah. Unless this exists somehow sponsored by food lobbies. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, maybe they start just, you know, collecting food. Like, you know, the collectible food. I don't know where I'm going with this one. Anyways, restaurant to another world. <laughs> okay. So, this anime is about a restaurant that travels to another world. We start off the episode with a brief dialogue of two diners. Probably in the normal words, considering their attire, talking about how the restaurant says Western food. And that basically anything that's not from Japan gets referred to as Western cuisine anyways. Fair. That gives them a nice broad area to work in. And also, that just sounds right. That sounds like something Japanese businessmen would say. I've definitely like seen anime where they've called like curry Western food. I guess that's not technically incorrect if you're in Japan. But Yeah, I mean, I guess if... You- In Japan, everything is Western food if you start going west and you just keep on going west. Yeah, but by that logic, Japanese food is Western food. There's probably like one Japanese province that's considered to be Western food. Uh, Probably. I mean, I don't actually know about the individual culture of most provinces of Japan. Gets mentioned occasionally (laughs) in like toku and anime but obviously i have not taken a sit down to actually learn about it so i wouldn't want to spout facts i learned again in anime have you heard about satellite stores no i actually haven't so a satellite store in like in any province is a store that is based on another Japanese province. Like it would be, for instance, uh, like if you're in Tokyo and there's a satellite store for Kobe, for instance, uh, that would be a store that is like it's set. You know, it feels like it's in Kobe. They serve Kobe beef. They serve like, you know, Kobe specialties. And the idea is not that it is like, you know, people from Kobe who move there. It is that it is like cultural outreach from like the government of Kobe you know setting up stores in other provinces to say like hey it, you know please come to this store enjoy our culture and then if you like it maybe you'll visit our province 
Okay, interesting. Yeah, it's it's not that weird. It feels strange to me because it is like that's the kind of thing I would associate with like a government saying we're going to like try and you know perform outreach to get our culture in other countries. But it is Japan. <laughs> like uh, satellite stores in Japan are all just other Japanese provinces putting stores in other Japanese provinces to try and like export their culture, like their provincial culture. Like it's such a tiny <laughs> well, microcosm of like world's events. <laughs> Well, if Japan and America have one thing in common, it's like that they already treat themselves like their own tiny planet that yeah. occasionally interacts with the outside world, but has basically trying to establish itself as having many distinct countries within itself. Yeah, like if I went to America and I saw that like there is a steakhouse that is run by the Texas government that is like exporting Texan culture to other uh, states, I wouldn't bat an eye. That sounds that sounds like something that would happen. Yeah, basically, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's your cool fact of the day. Please don't ask for another ah, cool please. fact next episode. <laughs> I've already had cool facts. <laughs> We only have lame facts, like the fact that the opening is starting now. Thermite, what do you think about the opening? I didn't take notes on this. I think it's a really cool opening. Like, the animation is super duper high quality, and I, I appreciate that it isn't all just, here are here is a harem. <laughs> a lot of the openings <laughs> we've read, even the ones that aren't for harem series, are just basically like, hey, here's a harem of characters that you can buy figurines of. Whereas the focus on this OP is mostly just uh, the girl that we'll meet later on in this episode. It's a lot of food and it's a lot of just showing off like people dining and people, you know, being impressed by food. Like that is the focus of the series. And this is such a cool way to put that front and center. It is an immediate like you. <laughs> the harem in the series is food. <laughs> You should watch the series and then go, I really want to eat Western cuisine, as opposed to I want to look at dirty images of girls. Yeah, man, I guess that's what it's trying to sell you more than anything. Yeah. And, you know, that's quite nice. I'm getting kind of tired of having a literal rainbow of hair colors shoved in my face in every opening. Now, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of attractive girls in this opening, but like the focus is on them enjoying the food. Also, there is a, uh, I think, a destroyed moon at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's like the one shot I really remember. The glowed up moon. Yeah. And probably the most curious one. Although, I guess we don't know whether he only goes to one other world. By the fact that he says that she only has to work in the store one day a week, I assume he either works in the human world six days a week or just... uh you know yeah like on a like little world safari every time yeah like each day could be a different world and then he like yeah. loops around at this point we simply don't know yeah also i mean to be fair that could be the same world just in space <laughs> isn't space an entire different world thermite <laughs> narratively yes oh well uh, starting off our episode, we immediately get a nice shot of the name of this restaurant. It's Western Restaurant Nikoya. God, that cat is so cute. It as, yes, I figured you'd like it, as Nikoya for the rest of this episode. Sure. We start off in a scene with a gruff samurai eating some food. He's eating braised pork belly with rice, I believe. Yeah. No, actually, he's eating teriyaki chicken. Right, 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 yeah. 
And he starts to have a fight with various other patrons of the restaurant about what kind of food best pairs with white rice. There's a lion man, lizard man, a guy that looks like God as depicted <laughs> by anime. Yeah, there's the old white man. With long beard. Yeah. And there's a, like a tan buff guy. Yeah, he's a little scruffier. Yeah. And they all have a big shouting match until a cook comes into the room to tell them that if they're going to have a fight here, he'll never cook for them again. Which immediately causes everyone in the room to quiet down and enjoy their meal. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Cut to a dragon descending upon a mountain peak filled with treasure. She talks to a demon attendant to make her dress as he transmorphs into a naked red-haired lady. Ah, uh, yeah. We get a brief... Uh, she briefly reminisces on the fact that she has a contract with Nikoya's owner. And before her, she sees a door to said restaurant, through which she disappears after she got her dress, with some of the gold that's lying all around her. Yeah. And she does refer to Nikoya as being her treasure. Yes, yes, as part of her treasure, which mm -hmm. the door very prominently features in the center of her treasure hoard. Yeah. Uh, she steps in with a, like gallon jug pot thing mm -hmm. it's a pot half as tall as herself yeah. and orders a single bowl of beef stew which we get in a well not a gratuitous but a long eating montage before she says she'll <laughs> have the rest in takeout and takes the giant pot full of beef stew back with her yeah like it seems like she's returning the last one because, like, we did see him, like, start, like, cooking the giant pot before she, like, before we cut to the dragon. Yeah. She explains that she's a regular here and basically always orders the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. After she takes the chug-jug bag with her, <laughs> she transforms back into a dragon. <laughs> By the way, dragon about, like, the size of a house and starts carefully sipping from the jug with her tongue like a cat. Yeah, she's just laughing it up. It's such a tiny little container compared to her size. It's unbelievable. I don't know why you would do this. I can only imagine that, like, in her tiny form, she experiences the flavor, you know, in a weaker scale. I, I assume, I guess, or maybe it's uncomfortable being in human form. Yeah. I mean, she also immediately incinerates her dress upon stepping out of the restaurant. Yeah. But yeah, it's also quite curious that, you know, she, like she clearly has a lot of money. It's weird that she's not getting a bigger chug jug. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I guess it'd be really a lot to ask of a chef using human world ingredients to cook a dragon sized meal. True. Because it seems like, like, it seems like he does have multiple customers every day. So it might just be like, and the reason she turns herself into a human is because she doesn't want to freak out anyone if anyone else happens to be there. So oh, well, I think the way she talked also implied that uh, their contract includes him cutting out time for the restaurant being exclusively open to her. Mm -hmm. Seeing as how she said it would have been an honor for any mortal to dine with her. True. 
So yeah, in that case, it might just be that she likes go physically going into the restaurants, but she can't do that if she's super big. Yeah, the door is of limited size. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I, I gotta say this now. The one yeah. the one thing I do not like about this episode is the door to the restaurants. <laughs> What? It's a cute ass door. No, I like the front of it. I like the cat. Anytime the door opens, though, it is extremely cheap CGI. <laughs> oh, yeah, that. Like, like the specific shot of like the corner of the door and like the bell attached to the door. Like that and only that is CGI. In every other shot, it is like a, a hand-drawn door and the door looks good and the rest of the series looks good. And even like, you know, the other bits of CG we see look good. It's just that door in that exact shot that we see multiple times is really bad for no reason. <laughs> but okay, that's all I'm going to say about the door. Just just keep that in mind, audience. Be thankful no one is shooting lightning at each other in this anime. <laughs> uh, to be fair, that probably is. They probably made that door once for a different anime and they're just reusing that. I mean, I assume the door is CG because it gets used every episode. This is just the modern day equivalent of a stock footage sequence of someone going through the door. But they can just Which, honestly, I would have preferred like a little insert theme and stock footage every time someone enters the door. Yeah, underutilized. I mean, you can Take do more notes of from Ikahara. You can hand draw stock footage. I mean, like again, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they would do this. Just have a little Zetai Unmei Mokushi Roku sequence, but it's just like. <laughs> people going into the restaurant for like two seconds <laughs> it'll have to be a fast insert song i mean i'd be fine with any series including the whole like build up to an antenna duel for something that happens every episode yeah there's a lot of traditions that have sadly been abandoned by directors that lack creative vision uh, i mean i haven't seen sarazenma yet but i'm assuming Yukahara still does all of that <laughs> I cannot imagine there's not some kind of elaborate stock for the sequence in Sarazan Mai. Mm -hmm. I mean, the one for Penguin Drum was more extravagant than the one for Utena. Yeah, and I'd say the one for Yurikuma Arashi was also very extravagant, very extravagant, very over the top, not necessary apart from, you know, like, it, it makes sense in the narrative, but it's a real, like, I don't know why we're doing, we're spending a full minute every episode doing this. <laughs> Except, you know, because it is Ikuhara. I mean, the imagery itself for the one in Penguin Drum was kind of nuts. <laughs> it's very much like a word association one-to-one -one translated into a visual. Mm. But regardless, yes. we're not talking about those shows right now. We're talking about the funny little restaurant show. Mm -hmm. And in this show... The chef is waking up at 4 a.m. Yeah. It seems like he has an attic above his shop that he just kind of lives in. An attic with an elevator? Yeah, the elevator is really interesting. We could have had a... See, this is also a place where we could have had a stock footage suit up put on the chef clothes sequence. <laughs> Missed opportunities. Ah. Uh. And he puts on his stuff goes down to his kitchen, and lo and behold, finds a girl sleeping on his floor. Imagine an orphan. Imagine an orphan. <laughs> Imagine an orphan in a sort of 
send Goku Nariko early on in the opening kind of styling. Yeah, like she's got the Nariko hats. She's got a very like, you know, a nice looking outfits, but it's, you know, it's a little scruffy. Yeah. Big dirt on her cheek. Horns. Yeah. Oh, underneath yeah. the hat. Yeah, her hat falls off. She's got uh, cute little uh, curly horns. She's got blonde hair. Classic little, oh no, if people see my horns slash cat ears, they'll be racist to me scenario. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Just to note that this podcast, of course, would never take the serious topic of cat girl racism lightly. Of course not. We stand cat girls in this house. We stand, we stand all cat people in this house. That's all you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, either way, uh, she profusely apologizes for eating what, at this point in the episode, I assumed was a pot full of sauce, yeah. and then falling asleep on his floor. <laughs> and um, tells him his life story of how she moved to the capital in hopes of making it big, or rather just finding a decent job, work for a little bit, people find out she's descended from the demon god that gives all his followers slash descendants some kind of physical mark and thus she was cast out and now she's shacking up in a ruin where she stumbled upon the door to his shop she yeah. seems to assume that he's some kind of mage yeah which i guess this is effectively like what stumbling into howl's moving castle would be like except for like you know someone that's from a fantasy world yeah and like to be fair when she stumbles in she does have the very you know it's a door in the middle of nowhere and she just takes it as a dream and she's like okay i guess this is a dream i guess i'll just eat this corn potage has a very sort of like goldilocks energy about the initial setup yeah by the way before we cut to her life story uh we do just get a shot of a wolf stepping on a a, a tiny little flower which is I saw that, but it didn't amount to anything for this episode. I mean, so, I, I would say it's symbolic of her life story. Like the, the, the wolf is the wolf is racism, and she is the tiny the rose. Wolf is racism. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm it's the, again not trying to make light of racism of course but i mean we, we we spent that all the time talking about ikuhara so i feel like i have to give the show credit where it is due when it decided to do a split second bit of a symbolism yeah honestly pretty good pretty good i do appreciate it i also thought it might account for what we see at the end of the episode with the dragon lady granting her a letter of protection you know i should appreciate i should use her name because it's basically the only name for anyone we get in this entire episode. So at least I should be cherishing the fact that I have something to call the character by. Yeah, and like I appreciate that we're not being overloaded at all in this episode. There's a different version of this entire setup that would involve a lot more words. <laughs> but Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, this is relatively slow for one of our opening episodes and i appreciate it this is taking its time we're not rushing anywhere the journey is the destination for this one and it's yeah. actually properly about that life and isn't just not particularly a journey and doesn't really have a destination like a lot of the shows we watch yeah the bar is low and the restaurant to another world is pole vaulting far above it exactly so, yeah, she gives him her life story. He says, uh, that's cool. How about we make breakfast? Mm -hmm. 
he makes like a full American or full English, maybe just you know, yeah. Toast, I think that's a full cabbage. Yeah, I think that's a full uh, American. Well, actually, yeah. the cabbage is odd. The cabbage is—I uh, don't think that's a full English or a full American. I think that's a very Japanese breakfast item. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting because it's not traditional Japanese either, though. I guess so. It's just. It's something, I guess. Yeah, like he describes it as just being the you know, the staff only breakfast special. Like he's not going to make this for paying customers. So it's probably just the thing. He, you know, it's all the stuff he likes the most. Yeah, and they have a nice meal, and he's like, "Ah, you looking for work, kid? You're hired." <laughs> yeah, can you work Which, one day uh, a week? Yeah, one day a week for fourteen hours. Oh man. I mean, in this situation, it's not that bad, but I, I do appreciate that he's not like in another series. Again, I feel like he would say something like it's eight, you know, eight hours a day and I'm going to pay you 50 golds and oh no, that's so much for you. Like, you know, it's way too much for you to handle. But the way he says it does sound realistically exhausting. Yeah. And she's, he says he'll pay her like give her like lodging on the staff meals and like mm-hmm. uh, a college student level pay. Which I guess is fair enough for her circumstances. I don't particularly know what exactly how value ten silver coins are relative to minimum wage. And I don't think this is the kind of show that's about that. Yeah. I believe he said it was like yeah, uh ten thousand yen, which would be about a hundred bucks. So yeah, like a it, like he, she also does say, like near the end of the episode, that she should be getting a second job. So it's not a I work one day a week and that's enough to you know have me live the other six days. But you know, for a one day gig, I I can understand it. It's probably okay. It's probably yeah, okay. I mean, it's also God. There's a really long discussion we could be having here about the ethics of the situation. Yeah, and the fact that he realistically is going to have a very hard time finding another job due to racial discrimination. Mm-hmm. How this pans out with her patronage by a dragon god, and if the fact that he's giving her three meals a day makes up for anything. But honestly, mm-hmm. that sounds difficult. We're a funny <laughs> little podcast about isekai, and I'm not sure I care to have this uh, discussion for the next half hour. Uh, I do propose, mm, I'm not going to state this, I'm just going to put it out there. You can say yes or no over the course of this episode. I feel like we should probably have this be the baseline for when in other isekai, the main character says, all right, I'm going to take you on as my slave or my, you know, person who will do everything for me. Like, I feel like the (laughs) three meals a day plus some boarding plus, you know, a college level amount of money. Plus I think, not invading your personal space or life too much. Plus the blessing of an ancient dragon that will protect you from harm. <laughs> Which isn't an explicit part of the deal, but just kind of a bonus that you won't know about. Yeah. Because <laughs> I feel like there's a few series that are going to fall far under this baseline of how do you treat this character? Is this a fair deal for this person's 16 hours a day? God. I mean, it is also 16 hours a day, which is a lot for a job, but not not as bad as a lot of other series where it is the I'm going to buy you as a slave and you will work for me 24 hours a day forever. Also, it's 16 hours one day a week. Yeah, like 
she has a lot of freedom apart from that. Yes, well... <laughs> okay, we, we said we weren't going to go into it. one episode of this, so it's hard to tell. Hard to tell. Yeah, we're falling into the pitfall we sometimes do of the, treating this episode as the whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's really, really, really difficult to comment on this topic, and I have the feeling that there's probably something unfortunate about the situation for especially for Letta, but <laughs> well we should probably move on yeah i mean she gives her the short tour of the thing tells her to go take a shower she's confused as to what a shower is but we don't really spend a lot of time on this bit which that's cool i've seen enough fish out of water bits in these last 25 23 episodes yeah it's a relatively constrained uh bath scene followed by a relatively constrained she's wearing uh, a maid outfit scene yeah and then she goes to sleep cut to the dragon lady she goes ah a new thing has been added to my treasure mm-hmm. and flies away granting her the eponymous blessing and comments that no mortal would be foolish enough to impose on a treasure and while she's uh while Alette is sleeping in her straw bed in the middle of a ruin red (laughs) glowy particle effects start glowing around her and that's the end of the episode yeah we see the particle effects for like a second and i think that's fine i i don't trust the studio to do any more silver link please i I don't want like i want to know that she's protected but i don't want to see the magic protecting her because i feel like that's just going to be a pasted over generic effect that they bought for 5.99 once yeah, maybe next episode we'll see, like, a assassin guy try to stab her in the neck and it'll be, like, warded off. Or, you know, the classic anime racist rock-throwing scene. Oh, yeah. See, I, I feel like, uh, unlike uh, Maosama Retry, I feel like the, uh, the the chef here is the kind of person who, if he saw racist rock-throwing happen, he would immediately stop it before it actually happens, as opposed to becoming invisible in order to watch it. Hmm, <laughs> <laughs> these guys look like they're about to assault an innocent child. But let's see how this plays out. <laughs> I'm going to get into my invisible stance. Oh, no, they're throwing rocks at her. Maybe Someday I should stop I them. I want to make like a ranking of my favorite crowds of anime generic goons that throw rocks at people. <laughs> oh, that'd be a good who would win the situation. <laughs> yeah, which crowd of shitty goons? <laughs> which crowd could uh, be number one? They're all going to be so racist against each other. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so that's our recap. Yeah, not really a lot more to say about this. Thermite, how mm-hmm. spicy was this? How fitting for a cooking show. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, this is, it feels weird because it isn't exciting spicy, but the calmness is itself a nice spice. You know, it's the classic people dunking on vanilla when vanilla is a very nice flavor. Like, <laughs> this is, for an isekai, very, very different. Especially, like, you know, compared to the stuff we have currently been watching. It is very Iyashike. It's very chill. It's very, like, on its face enjoyable with no real... Uh, controversy 
And like the way it's set up makes it feel like, you know, like especially with the title of this episode, which was just the two things that were eaten, makes me feel like it's going to be a lot of uh, nice food being made and people enjoying themselves and having a good time. And maybe we'll go to the moon at some point. I'm, I'm, I'm giving it a solid eight. Yeah, eight is fair right now. Okay, I think this is a lot less spicy than you. I think, like, especially because of it's the very tropey, like, gruff anime dad adopting his, like, kawaii anime daughter. Yeah. I hate myself for saying that. Uh, <laughs> I think that's, the, the, this is a, like a four. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to fight <laughs> like, you on you know, that one. Like, you know, throw some spices in the top, but it's just a nice little meal. Sure, sure. So, in that case, how nicey did you find it? Uh, let's say a 6 out of 10. This is pleasant enough to watch, but Yashi K is not my genre. Okay. So, I don't think I would actually give this that much more of a shot. Although, like, again, if it came on or if someone wanted to watch it with me, I wouldn't Mm. say no. Hmm. Yeah. You know, pleasant. Yeah, I'm more into the genre, and I do really like cooking as well. Like, that's also a big part of it. I'm... Yeah, this is something I'm definitely going to watch. Like, I only have the first episode right now, but I'll probably get the rest. And when season two starts, I'll probably watch that as well. I'll give it a solid nine. Okay. Yeesh, that's a high rating. Okay. Well, then. Thermite, how isekaisy is it? <laughs> hmm. I mean, it it fulfills almost everything. Like, the big glaring misstep that I usually like like to see is the world that the main character came from. We got a tiny bit of it, but not that much. Like, oh yeah, we got the shot before VOP and presumably the place he took the elevator down from. Yeah, but even then, I don't know whether the top floor is also traveling between dimensions or not, or, like, where this is. Like, is the is this restaurant physically still in, you know, his original world of origin? Or, you know, like, are the doors just the only things that move around? Or is he in this, like, you know, TARDIS-like space, <laughs> flying through time and space? Yeah. Yeah. And no, I'm not... I guess- yeah. It's not very clear right now, but for the moment, it doesn't seem like it matters a lot. Yeah, like it doesn't matter, but uh, for my extremely tenuous uh, you know, statement of what I consider to be isekaisi, I like there's enough being in another world. There's enough like cultural dissonance and clashing, but it's it's not like a 10 out of 10 to me. I'm giving I'll give it a seven. I'll give it a seven. Right. I guess. I guess just to one-up you, I'll give it an 8, because I do think this is more isekai than you give it credit for, especially in the kind of, uh, like, uh, I guess, no, no, I guess a 7 is fair, because it is a lot of, like, the back and forth, and there's a lot of the fish out of water and coming to the stuff, but it, honestly, it feels more like a reverse isekai because of the way it's set up than a traditional isekai. Yeah, like, it seems like a big part of it is going to be fantasy characters reacting to traditional or, you know, like a Japanese chef's interpretation of Western cuisine, as opposed uh, to it, a Western chef going like, oh, what is this crazy new world? Yeah. And also, can I just say, I really appreciate that the reactions are very toned down and the meals actually look very like it's it's fancy meals. He's probably a really good chef. It's not just the like annoying trope of wow. I can't believe even the most basic interpretation of Japanese food is so much better than anything I've ever eaten. <laughs> just, or like the like fancy character eats hamburger and has an orgasm trope. Yeah, every reaction feels genuine. It like in how like 
understated they are compared to something like Food Wars or a bunch of other series we've seen. And like the food looks good enough that I, I understand it. I look at it and go, yeah, you know what? I would also feel very good about this. Yeah, yeah. And you can't I, I can't tell you how tired I am of that. Like, oh, oh, this is so amazing. And it's fucking McDonald's hamburger. Yeah. And that shit gets so annoying after a while. <sighs> so, uh, I believe that's everything wrapped up for today. Yeah, this was a simple one. But they, uh, they don't all have to be crazy long bangers. And this is longer than the episode itself. <laughs> well, we usually have episodes longer than the episode itself. Yeah, I mean, usually we're like three times as long as the episode itself. Whereas this is just a, you know, it's just like 10 minutes over. <laughs> So, in that case, Thermite, what are we covering next week? All right. Next week, I think I would like to cover... Um, how Not to Summon a Demon Lord from 2018. <sighs> Sticking on the demon topic for fucking ever, I guess. Listen, we have so many Demon Lord series that this isn't going to be all of them. I'm just, you know, I'm thinning out the herd a tiny little bit. Man... I could have done demons. the ambition. I could have done the ambition of Oda Nobuna, which would have been another Demon Lord series and also another Oda Nobunaga series. Fucking hell! <laughs> God, demons in Japanese anime are always so lame most of the time. Anyways, yeah, Demon Lord so as a concept has been very watered down. But half time, it's that. Not at all subversive concept of the demons being the good guys and the angels being evil, which is basically the status quo, or it's a very simple, like, parody of Dragon Quest villains as demons. Yeah. Which is just amounts to not being very interesting most of the time, since it's a shallower version of a already pretty shallow villain trope. Mm-hmm. Ah, well... I mean, it, there's potential there. Maybe it'll surprise us. I'm down for it. Yeah. And in that case, we'll see if we're surprised in another, in another world. world. Ah, we said it at the same time this time. 